Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing today? It is so good to see you on this very, very cold New Year's Eve. It is really cold outside. I don't think you heard me because I said it was really, really cold outside. It's so cold that when I walked outside, I dropped my comb, and when I went to pick it up, its teeth were chattering. So you have permission to use that all day So uh, to ensure that people laugh at, hopefully they laugh at your joke better than you laughed at mine. I just want to say a few things, and then I'm going to go ahead and get started. The third Sunday in January, we do this every single year. We're going to do it again this year. We're kicking off a seven-day church-wide fast. Now, this is really, really, really important because what this is is, is a, an opportunity for us to kind of put God first, our best foot forward and honor God at the very beginning of the year. Now, I don't know if you've ever fasted before, but this is a great opportunity for you to fast. And there are different types of food to fast. So don't think, oh, my gosh, I'm going to give up food and only drink water for seven days. That's not what we're going to do, although some people do that. Some people give up food. Somebody, some people uh, take the Daniel fast. They only eat fruits and vegetables. Some people fast sugar. Some people give up coffee. And uh, uh, strangely enough, that is one of the biggest deals that people fast is coffee. So the thing is, is it has to do with diet. Now, here's the deal. You can't fast. There's no such thing as fasting Facebook. Okay, there's no such thing as fasting the laundry for a week. It's, it's, it's got to be, it has to be associated with diet. I'll be saying some more things about this in the future, but here's the deal. Fasting breaks us free from things that bind us. If you've got some hang-ups, if you've got some bad habits, if you've got some things that you need to get rid of, I strongly recommend that you take part in this fast. Our whole church is going to do something, so you might as well take part in this. What it does is it brings clarity and it brings focus, and that begins to bring blessings of God into our lives. So don't, uh, don't, don't miss this opportunity to take part in this, and you're going to be hearing a lot more about this over the next few weeks. Well, I'm going to, uh, I want to uh, uh, kick this series off, this brand new series called Taking Ground. Before we do, let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to be here today on this New Year's Eve, Lord. Thank you for a warm building and a warm church. I pray, Lord, that you have your way in our lives, that you will speak to us. Lord, say to us what you want to say as we lean in and learn of your word today in this new series called Taking Ground. And everybody said, look at your neighbor and say, see you next year. <coughs> because the very next time that you see somebody, it's going, one of us, it'll probably be next year. Now, I want you to turn to Joshua, the first chapter and the first verse, if you have your Bibles or however you look at your Bible, iPad, smartphone, whatever. Joshua, the first chapter and the first verse. And like I said, I'm going to be kicking off a brand new series today called Taking Ground. Now, this was the words of God to Joshua, and I'm going to preface it here in just a second, but this is God speaking to Joshua. Joshua 1 and 1 says this. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Hang on, I just noticed something. After the death of Moses, the Lord, the Lord spoke to Check. Joshua had no parents. Isn't that interesting? See, he's the son of, son of. You get it? Okay. Come on, guys. 
work with me a little bit. He didn't. What? He didn't have any parents? What did you say? <laughs> all right. Hey, you have permission to use that all day too. Do you know that Joshua, I don't think the Bible says he was the son of none. Okay, anyway. Okay. Come on. All right. Sorry about that. So the Lord spoke to Joshua and he says, he says this. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, your time has come. Look at your other neighbor and say, it's your time. That's what God's going to do in your life. That's what we're believing for. That he says, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River and to the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses, that wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you. Then he goes on to talk about the borders of the land of Israel. The fifth verse says, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses, and I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions, Joshua, that Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, neither turning to the right or to the left. Then you will be, a, you'll be successful in everything that you do. Study this book. Study the Bible, Joshua of instructions continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my commandment. Be strong and courageous. He said that to him four times in those few verses. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua and the Israelites we're on the brink of the land of Canaan. I want to I want to just stop right there and let this kind of sink into what's going on. For 800 years, the land the, the people of Israel were promised Canaan land. This promise is an 800-year-old promise or a prophecy that was given to Abraham himself. And then some time passed Abraham, after Abraham, and then uh, Joseph moved his family to Egypt, and then they were enslaved for 400 years. And then after that, Moses came and he helped deliver them out of the land, uh, out of slavery and out of the land of Egypt. And then they were on the brink of going into the land of Canaan and they disobeyed God and they grumbled and they, and they complained because they had been living like slaves for 400 years. And God finally told them, since you won't believe and you won't enter the land of Canaan and because you're afraid, guess what? I'm not even going to let you. I'm not going to go with you. Turn around and walk back into the wilderness. So they spent 40 years in the desert walking around. Until all that generation that were disobedient, he says, you're all going to die in the desert because you're not obeying me. And then, after all that takes place, God says, okay, Moses has passed away. Moses, you don't even get to go into the land of Canaan. You get to look at it, but Joshua is going to be the, the person that leads Israel into that land. And all of a sudden, the day has arrived. An 800-year-old prophecy is being fulfilled. They're standing on the bank of the Jordan River, looking out across the Jordan River. And all they have to do is cross this Jordan River, and then it's the land of Canaan. Millions of people, generations of people are standing on the other side thinking to themselves, 
How are we going to get across this Jordan River? And God told him, listen, Joshua, here's what's going to happen. Today, I'm going to build you in the side of the land of Israel, or, or the people of Israel, and I'm going to show them that I'm going to be with you the way I was with Moses. And here's what's going to happen. The minute that your feet step into the Jordan River, the waters are going to part, and it's going to become dry land, and all of the Israelites are going to walk across the Jordan River. Remember that? That's kind of similar to another story, isn't it? That's what was happening. So they walk across the, the, the Jordan River, and it's a very surreal moment. Can you imagine these people looking at each other thinking, this is the land of Canaan. This is Canaan. This is the land that our fathers, our grandfathers, our great-grandfathers and great-mothers, great-grandmothers have told us about. This is Canaan. This is where we're going to live in prosperity. This is where we get to have our own land because they, for 800 years they haven't even had their own land. They can't put down stakes, and, and, and you know, they've lived in, in temporary pens. Their, their animals had to be in temporary pens, and they lived in tents, and they wondered about, this is the land of Canaan where the, we get our own property, we get our own land. This is it. This is Canaan. We're going to have this land. But guess what? Nobody told the Canaans or the Canaanites about that. I mean, they're over there saying, what, what, are, these, what, are, what are these people doing across the, the Jordan River? Here's the point. Canaan had to be conquered. It was theirs for the taking. Be strong, be courageous. Be strong, be courageous. Be strong, be courageous, Joshua. You're about to enter into a fight. Uh, about a five-year, you're going to be fighting for the next few years. You've got to defeat over 30 kings and over 30 kingdoms. And they're all going to unite. They're going to come after you. But listen carefully. Every time you take a step, everywhere you go, I'm going to be with you. And it is your land, but you've got to take it. Listen to me. Anything in your life worth having, any dream any, any, anything in life that God gives you, any promise, it comes in the form of an opportunity. And you have to make a decision whether or not you're going to go forward and conquer that. And it's not going to be easy. Amen? I want you to think about that for a second. What is your land of promise? What is your Canaan that God wants to do in your life? I believe that the Bible that you read teaches us. That everything that we desire in this life, according to God's will, everything that we desire, anything that we want is ours, but we have to go get it. We have to take it. And in 2018, we are not going to set back and hope things work out anymore. I don't know what kind of game plan you had for your life in 2017. Maybe there's a season for that where we sit back and we, we hope that things work out. But 2018 is no longer the time in our life where we sit back and we hope things work out. We're, we're going to be passive about the things and the promises of God. If, maybe if that was your MO for 2017, there's a really good chance that you're in the same place that you were a year ago. But it's going to be very different because this time we're taking ground. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm taking ground. I'm taking ground in 2018. Whatever you need from God, whatever you're believing God to do in your life, we are taking ground. Our time has come. We are stepping forward into a brand new place of victory in our lives and in our church. You believe that? Give God praise right now. This time of year, we always like to talk about New Year's resolutions. 
you don't have to raise your hands, but let me just ask you rhetorically, how many of you have set New Year's resolutions? I know I've written down some things, and there's some things that I want to accomplish in my life. But the top five resolutions that people write usually at the beginning of the year is the, the first one is to stay fit and healthy. The second one is to lose weight. The third one usually has to do with religious or close to God or living life to the fullest. The fourth one has to do with spending less, has to do with finances. Spend less, save more. The last one is to spend more time with family and friends. So a lot of times, there's a really good chance if you wrote out New Year's resolutions, they look a little bit like that. But did you know that only 10% of us actually keep our New Year's resolutions? In fact, most of the resolutions that we write are completely forgotten about and abandoned by February the 1st. They don't even last 30 days. So why even talk about them? Why even talk about New Year's resolutions? Why even talk about setting goals? Well, first of all, our life moves in cycles. It moves in cycles. So no matter what happens today, you've got tomorrow, right? No matter what happens this week, you've got next week. No matter what happens this month, you've got uh, next month. I I'm very, very happy for renewal. But the second reason that we talk about commitments and New Year's resolutions is because we are aware that we need change. So even if you abandon your resolutions, even if you don't keep your commitments, and uh, hopefully you do, but even if you don't, at least you are aware of the fact that some changes need to take place in your life. So let me just commend you at the very fact that you've set resolutions because if you haven't set any resolutions, if you've abandoned even setting any goals, I don't know what to say. <laughs> if you just like forget about it. I, I, I abandon everything. There's no reason. Let's never give up. Even if you, even if you abandon it does not mean that, that eventually things won't kick in and hopefully before we're done today, it'll help you keep your commitments. Ultimately, that's what I want to talk about. So when you, go, when you do follow through, when you do set a goal, when you do obtain a New Year's resolution, when you do that, you move forward in life and you take new ground. That's what we're talking about. So let's talk about what is taking ground. What does taking ground mean? First of all, if that's going to take place in our life, we're going to have to have a new mindset. We're going to have to learn to think differently about the way we do things. In Romans 12 and 2, it says, do not be shaped by this world. This is the new century version. It says, don't be shaped by this world. Instead, be changed within by a new way of thinking. Then you will be able to decide what God wants for you. You will know what is good and pleasing to him and what is perfect. Don't be, one translation says, don't be conformed by the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because there's no way that you can a, be, even begin to think that there's going to be an outward change in your life. A drastic outwardly change in your life until you first begin to change what's going on on the inside. And that begins with the way that you think. We need a new approach when it comes to keeping our commitments. Specifically when it comes to New Year's resolutions. I mean, are they really, really resolutions? Or are they New Year's intentions? These are my New Year's good intentions. Because if you think about the way we go about this, many times it's kind of like, well, it was, it was thought about, we decided it, maybe we even wrote it down, but we didn't follow through. Really what you did, and I've done it several times, really what you did or what we do is we just give it a good shot. <laughs> That's not a resolution. 
A resolution, if you think of the word, to be resolved about something. To be resolved, it's way more impactful. It is way more meaningful. It is a higher level of commitment. We need to rethink what we are committed to do. I have resolved. I have settled. I stand firm in this decision. I draw a line in the sand, and I am never going back to that way of thinking. I am never making a decision to do that again. I will never be the person that I don't want to be. I refuse to be the person that I don't want to be ever again. That it, that's what it is to be resolved. That's not taking a shot at it. That's being resolved. So when it comes to taking ground in our lives, it takes a new mindset. And it takes a, a new mindset specifically to how we keep our commitments. For the rest of my time, I want to talk to you about three ways to keep your commitments. Three ways to make sure that you keep the commitments that you make to yourself and to the people around you. Number one is to begin to speak it. That is the first step. It's not the only step, but it is the first step to real change and to keeping commitments is to speak it. We speak things and we say things with our mouths because our words have power. The Bible says that our words have power to bring salvation. In Romans 10 and 9, it says... If you confess with what? Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Think about how we ask Jesus to be Lord and Savior of our lives. At the end of every worship service, we have this time when, when we have an invitation and we give people an opportunity to say the prayer of salvation. It says here that if you confess with your mouth, notice it doesn't say anything about walking aisles. It doesn't say anything. If you walk to the front of the church... And face one of your biggest fears and, and stand up in front of strangers, you will be saved. No, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say anything about some of the things that we've been taught. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're going to be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the what? The mouth one confesses and is saved. That's why, we, that's why we speak out loud the prayer of salvation. We speak out loud because our words have power to bring not only salvation, but whatever we're believing God to do in our life. If we really believe that God is going to move in a particular area of our lives, we need to speak it. If you want to know where you're going to be one year from now, pay attention to what you're saying about yourself. If you want to know what's going to be happening in your life, if you want to know what's going to be happening in your marriage, pay attention to your words. Pay attention to how you speak to each other because those words that you speak every single day have the power to bring life and death. Proverbs 18 and 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Let me read that again. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. What does that mean? The words that we are speaking have power to bring life and death into the situations of our lives. Pay attention to your words. Speak life into every situation, even if it's bad. Even if it's not a good situation, even if your situation's uh, on the brink of destruction, begin to speak words. Change your situation. You can actually begin to change your situation with your words. Just because you speak something doesn't mean it's instantly taken care of. But speaking it is the first step of change. Did you hear that? 
Speaking positive change, speaking words of encouragement is the first step of any change that takes place in your life. Words can, can change every situation, any situation. Words have the power. Our words give change to our dreams. Our words can give change to our relationships, our daily situations, and even our future. You can speak things into existence, not because it's hocus pocus or not because it's magic or not because it's just positive, but... Your words affect what God does in your life. If you believe that, say yes. Well, Travis, that's not how things are in my life. You're asking me to say some things that aren't true. It's not how I feel. Well, as you begin to speak things, God begins to bring change. Faith is believing even though we can't see. Faith, that's... that's do you know that when you speak things, when you speak words of encouragement, when you speak words of faith, what that's doing is that's putting your faith, that's putting your, uh, your faith into your words, into your sentence every, every single day. And that's what faith is. That's practicing faith. Faith is believing in something even though you can't see it. Well, my life is really bad right now or things are going wrong in my life. But, but as you begin to speak things, it is using your faith, your words are the next step of faith. So, so speak it out loud. Listen to me. You can't believe, you can never believe speaking words of doubt. You can't believe if you're constantly speaking words of doubt. Here's something else. You can never experience life if you're constantly speaking words of death. Let me say that again. You will never experience true life if you're constantly speaking words of death. Your words must match your faith. Your words must match the direction that God has for your life. Joel 3 and 10 says, let the weak say, I am strong. What? Let the weak say, I am strong. Well, what if they're not? What if the weak are weak? Let the poor say, I am rich. Well, what if, what if the poor are poor? Well, you, what the Bible is saying is, is we have the ability to begin to speak these things into our lives. In Romans 4 and 17, it says, it talks about God that he gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In other words, we have a God that has the power to bring things into existence, to call things as though they were, even though they're not. And I believe by the Holy Spirit that he has placed on the inside of us that we can speak things into existence. That we can speak th change into our lives. Listen, if you want something different in 2018, begin to speak it. What have you got to lose? You're only going to build life into your family. You're only going to build life into your personal life. You know what? It feels like in 2017 I've been going through a pit. But you know what? I'm going to be coming out of this in 2018. It is going to be a, a year of, of, of prosperity. God's going to bless me in this year. And you know what? God is going to bless my family. God is going to bless my family. God is going to bless the finances of my family. Begin to speak life. Right? Begin to speak life into every situation. I don't have a really good job, but God is going to give me a job. I'm going to be taking ground in 2018. I'm going to get the job that I always wanted. You know what? As you begin to believe that... You begin to turn away around your thought process, and all of a sudden, you begin to expect good things to happen. Amen? Begin to speak life into your family. Even if it's not true, even if it's, if it's the last thing that's true in your home, honey, you are, the, you are the best cook in the entire world. See what God does. How about this? Baby, you are one hot mama. 
You light my fire. You're the best looking wife anybody could have. Listen, guys, say that for 30 days and get back to me and let me know how God moves in your life. <laughs> Speak life. Stop speaking death. I don't care if it's bad. Speak life into that situation. But you don't understand that's not where we are. I know. But where you want to go, wherever you want to go, say, hey, man, we're, we're going to go north. But we're going east. Well, we're going to start heading north anytime right now. Speak life. Change the way that you are thinking. Change the way you keep your commitments by first speaking it. Number two, continuing to commit to What's wrong with me, Travis? Continuing in this way of thought, we must commit not only by speaking it, but number two, by writing it. Write it. Don't just speak it. Write it down. Habakkuk 2 and 2 says, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run with it who reads it. I strongly recommend that you get a journal. If you don't have one, you hear me say this about every year. Get a journal and write down the things that you're praying to God about. Write down your, the, things that, the things that you're speaking into your life. On the first page of my journal are the things that I call my declarations. They're just things that I speak to myself that are according to the scripture. The first thing that, that, that it says every Monday, I speak this into my life. I am a follower of Christ. I am a passionate follower of Christ. Following Christ, a follower, it's not just something I do. It is who I am. I am a blood-bought, spirit-filled, Bible-reading, demon-chasing, and I will follow Christ until the day I die. I will lead people to follow Christ until the day I die. I read that to myself every single Monday. And the things that I'm praying and believing for God for, and I've got some prayers that God has answered this year, I write them down. Why? Because that's the vision of my life. It is the direction of my life. And how are you going to remember these things that, that God puts down in your heart and God speaks to you through his, through his word if you don't write these things down? Habakkuk 2 and 2 says, write the vision. Make it plain on, ha, make it plain in, in tablets. You know, three ring binders. Make it plain on tablets so he may run with it who reads it. In other words, it needs to be a little bit, a bit, a little bit portable. Habakkuk 2 and and three goes on to say this. It says, write it down in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. It, life is a journey. The vision is something that you take with you. Why? Because you might forget it from time to time. It goes on to say the vision. The message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait. It is pointing to something. It is pointing to a better day. Sometimes we need to be reminded of things that are coming. That's how you do it. When you feel like God has put something in your heart, when you want some change, when you're believing for God, you're praying about something, you write all those things down. And what happens is throughout the year, things will happen in your life. Some things, some things will happen that, that will discourage you, but you go back to that and you read that vision again. God told me that I, I really feel like God spoke to me and he would, he, he's going to bring me out of this situation or, or God's going to bless me and prosper me in these areas of my life. And you just read it every single week. If it, ta if it takes it, read it every single day. It is the vision of God that he has for your life. And as you begin, as you write it down, and as you read it, it reminds you of what God is doing. It says this, it goes on to say, 
It doesn't lie. If it seems slow, it's coming. Wait. Look at your neighbor and say, wait for it. It's on its way. And it will come at the right time. Sometimes God is going to bring something into our lives, but it's not the right time. The timing is off. So what happens is, is we read the written vision that God has for our lives. The things and the goals and, 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 and the resolutions or whatever. We go back and we read those things even though it's going to take some time. Listen to me. The building of this church, all the things that you see, we started doing this about four, four and a half, maybe five years ago, but it wasn't that way for me. I started doing this about 12 to 13 years ago as soon as we built this facility next door to us. I was already drawn out and making plans for this. I, if you would have told me it would have been something like this, I would have said, I, I don't know how in the world we were going to do something like this. But I, I, I was written in my journal. You can go back all the way to 2007 and read where I have written about God, give us a facility. God, give us a, something where we can serve the community. Give us something that is more impactful, Lord. Give us a parking lot so the ladies don't have to walk on gravel. You, just, you, can, see, you can see that throughout years. It, listen, that's, that's 10 years. It took a decade for me to see that, but, I, but listen to this, it really helped to read what I had written about that every single week. It really helped. So whatever it happens, maybe it's delayed, wait. Wait and read what God has written down. You know that the Bible is words written by God. Why? Because we forget. So we go back to the Bible, we go to Proverbs, we go to the Gospels. It reminds us of what God is doing in our lives. But remember, even if you have to wait, that's why we read it. Get ready. It's coming. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say that. Get ready. It's coming. So speak it. Write it. But lastly, you got to walk it. You actually have to, to walk out what we're talking about. This is the hard part. We can speak it and we can believe it and we can write it. But the challenge is actually following through every single day of our lives. I don't know if you remember this. Maybe some of you weren't even alive, but the 70s and the 80s, there was this big movement in the Christian world called the charismatic movement. Does anybody remember the charismatic movement? few of us. I remember, and, and it was such a necessity for that time in the church. The 70s, it was such a necessity for people to speak the word. But that is only, I really feel like the speaking of the word and the claiming of things was an area in the church that we needed to grow in. But I sometimes think that we abandon the follow through. So we had people in the church that would go on, walk up on car lots and lay their hands on a car and claim that car in the name of Jesus. Well, there was another side of that that you had to, you know, you got to pay for that car. Otherwise, somebody's going to get robbed. If God gives you everything, you know, somebody gets robbed. It's, um, it's kind of like people praying to get completely out of debt. Pray that, you know, they would just get a clean out of debt. Well, what about the people that we need to pay? <laughs> That's not fair to them, you know what I'm saying? We, 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 want, we want both sides. There's a, there's a claim. I remember people, you know, uh, marching seven times around houses. Did anybody see any of this? Claiming these kinds of things, okay? March around houses seven times believing that God was going to give them a house. There's nothing wrong with that. There is just another side of that that I feel like we abandoned in those days. It's kind of like confessing or declaring things. I confess that I am a child of God. And I believe that. I have it written in my journal. But Jesus says this. Not everyone who calls on the Lord 
is saved, but those who do the will of the Father. There is a do that is associated with the claiming and the believing and the speaking. Are you with me? There is a do that is, okay, I, can, I confess that I'm out of debt. Well, eventually that you're going to have to stop spending more than you have. There's a do part of that, right? Well, I'm believing that God is going to deliver me and I'm going to have all the, okay, well, you're going to have to go to work. You can't just sit on the couch. Netflix all day, right? So I find that God gives me blessings in the form of opportunities to go to work, right? I, I, I am blessed and highly favored. That's actually in my declarations that I am blessed and highly favored. However, life can be fruitless and feel cursed if we don't walk in generosity. If you don't give, if you're not generous, if you don't tithe, you can feel, you can feel like your finances are cursed. It's not just about you. It's not, God wants to, you to be a river that, you, that he, he, he sends blessings through you and, and, and that you're a blessing to other people. He doesn't want you to be a pond. Ephesians 2 and 10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good, what? For what? Works. We were created to work. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to go to work. If you're believing for something different in 2018, don't neglect the fact that it's going to take some work. And there's a really good chance that it's going to be hard work. Because the greater the blessing, the greater the goal, the more work it will take. But the good news is, it's kind of like what, what God told Joshua. It's going to be a huge challenge. You're going, to have to, you're going to have to fight 30 kings, but be courageous and be brave because I'm with you and you will have everything that you believe, everything that I have promised you, you're going to get every single bit of it. Be strong, be courageous because I'm with you, but you've got to go to war, Joshua. Sometimes I think we miss that. James 1 and 22 says, don't just listen to God's word. You must what? You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're fooling yourself. If you're only listening, listening, okay, you might believe it. Hey, I memorized, I memorized scriptures in the Bible. Are you doing it? Are you doing any of it? Because you're fooling yourself if you're not doing it. Galatians 5 and 16 says, but I say, let me back up just for a second. Why is it that we get to the very edge of this? I mean, we have the best intentions. We believe that God is going to, all the things that I'm talking to you about. But we kind of drop off right there. Why does that happen? Why don't we keep our commitments to ourselves and to the people around? Why is that? I believe that Galatians 5 and 16 explains it. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other. It's kind of like Jekyll and Hyde here going on in our lives. Look at this. To keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Isn't that interesting? There is a, a human nature side of us that is actually at war with the spirit side of us, that is trying to get us to not do what we want to do. You actually have a desire on the inside of you to have and to do all the things that I'm talking about today. But there's a side of you that's pulling at you to destroy your life, to not do those things. It is the human nature side of you that tries to keep you from fulfilling the, pro the promises that God has in your life. Here's the deal. 
every time you go to do what is right, there is a devil to fight. Did you hear that? Every time you go to do what is right, there is a devil to fight. You know, today, <coughs> excuse me, today we speak it, we write it down, we declare, we're, we're believing that God is going to do some incredible things, but tomorrow is Monday, and tomorrow when you wake up, it's going to be 10 degrees again, like it was today. I mean, I was really excited about church last night. I'm excited about this new series. But this morning, when I, when I went outside and it was 10 degrees, I had to scrape the ice. At, at, at 7.15, I wasn't thinking, praise God, hallelujah. I wasn't thinking, holy Lord, you know what I'm saying? I wasn't thinking these things. I was thinking, man, it is really cold outside. I'd like to be around my fire. I'd like to be inside all snuggled up in a blanket, you know, watching football games. All these good intentions, all these things, all these promises that we're believing God to do in our lives, there is a part, there is a, a real life nature that is attacking all of us, working to keep us from living for God, distracting you and keeping you from your commitments. Tomorrow when you wake up, it's not, that's not the only thing you're going to have to deal with. You're going to have to deal with going to work and dealing with somebody that might not like you. Maybe you've got a boss that doesn't like you, or maybe you've got a co-worker. That's, that is in an attitude every time, you know, man, I do not want to sit across from her today. Or I don't want to have to deal with that. I don't want to have to go in the break room. Or I don't want to have to, seems like I'm always having to do his work or whatever. Those are things that you got to deal with. Man, you're excited today about all the things and, and God is going to work and work in your life. And we're about to pray that God is going to give you the best year that you've ever had. But you got to go to work Monday. And on your way there, somebody's going to be driving way too slow. Somebody's going to be driving in the, or going really slow, meandering in the passing lane. And then when you try to go on the way home because you forgot to go to the grocery store, you got to go into the grocery store, and as you're walking through there, you got six people lined up, meandering. It's like they got nothing to do but walking around the grocery store when you're trying to get to wherever you're going. There's going to be something. And then when you get home, you forgot, you know, your spouse forgot about something, you forgot about something, it's going to start a little bit of an argument, and from there it's going to go all the way to, wow, what happened? Real life kicks in. But the Bible says that there is a spirit that lives on the inside of you. And greater is he. Greater is the spirit, the Holy Spirit that God put on the inside of you when you gave your life to Christ. Greater is that spirit that is on the inside of you than he that's in the world. Your flesh can be weak from time to time. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit, the, 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 the flesh side of you will pull at you and drag at you, but the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you is powerful, and, he's, and he is mighty, and he will overcome anything that the enemy tries to put in your path, but you got to believe it, and you got to act on it. The Bible says that you are to walk in the spirit. You choose to walk in the spirit. No matter what I'm feeling like today, no matter what's going on, God is going to work in my life. Listen to me. I don't know what happened in 2017. Here's what I know. It doesn't matter if it's good. It doesn't matter if it's bad. Guess what? She's gone. Right? right? It's gone. It's gone for 2017. It's gone. You got today, and you got to make a plan for tomorrow. And taking ground is a day-by-day process. The good news is you got a brand-new year that's going to be here at midnight tonight. So whatever happened in 2017, oh, gosh, it was terrible. Well, good news 2018 is a, is a fresh, clean slate. It's a brand new canvas. You can start tomorrow, and you can take it step by step. Taking ground for Israel, taking ground for Joshua, that was about going one kingdom at a time. It wasn't all the land of Canaan. It was one step at a time, one fight, 
one battle. Sometimes they lost. Most of the time they won. Eventually they won the entire victory. And that's what I want you to hear today. Taking ground is one day at a time. Days turn into weeks. Weeks turn into months. A month turns into a year. And this time next year we will high five you. Because God did that in your life. Amen. Come on, let's praise God one more time. <laughs> to keep your commitments, you got to have a fresh, new way of thinking. You need to reevaluate the way you keep your commitments. Speak it, write it, walk it. Say that with me. Speak it, write it, walk it. One more time. Speak it, write it, walk it. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. Thank you, Lord, for challenging us today. Wherever we are, whatever we're dealing with, and I believe, God, that you have brought us here for a reason. And thank you for those that are here on this frigid day. And I believe, God, that you want to say some things to individuals. On this eve of this brand new year, I believe, God, that we have the power by the Holy Spirit that's living on the inside of us to bring about some incredible changes. So, Lord, I ask that you will bring change wherever we are, whatever needs to be done, in the name of Jesus. As your heads are bowed, maybe God's dealing with you today. You live for God. He's Lord and Savior of your life. There's this thing about keeping your commitments. Man, the first person that we got to be committed to, of course, we got to be committed to God, but beyond that, the first person that we got to be committed to is ourselves. If you don't take care of yourself and you're not committed to yourself, there's no way that you can minister to people around you. And could it be that God's speaking to you today and said, You're not keeping, you're not being true to yourself. You're not keeping those commitments. God's speaking to you today about that. I want to tell you, answer that call. Say yes. Whatever it is, I, I believe that you got some knowledge today. You got some things, if you wrote them down, you got some things that can bring about real change in your life. If you want to walk into the new year with these things and with these principles, I'm telling you right now, one year from now, your life will be completely different. Speak it, write it, walk it. That's what I, I'm going to pray about right now for myself. If you want me to pray with you, I'd love to pray with you. Let's just all pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for every person, Lord. This is not about salvation. This is about keeping our commitments, Lord. Life has a way of distracting us and pulling us away from the people that you've called us to become. So now in this moment, I believe that this is a, a holy moment. On New Year's Eve, we draw a line in the sand about things that we will no longer do or allow to take place in our lives. And we step forward on a brand new year and we, we take ground one step at a time. No matter how hard it is, no matter what we got to face, because you're with us, 
We can be courageous and we can be strong. Be courageous, be strong, be strong, be courageous. Because you are with us and greater is the spirit that lives on the inside of us. Your spirit that lives on the inside of us. Greater is that spirit that is within than the human nature side that's in the world. So we move forward. It doesn't matter if we, we fail along the way. It doesn't matter if we trip. That, that doesn't matter. We're moving forward. This is a change from now on. We believe this. We declare it in the name of Jesus. If you believe this, say amen. As your heads are, are continued to be bowed, I want to pray one more prayer. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, this, uh, this prayer is the prayer of salvation. This is for you. Could be just us here today on a cold day like this. But just in case, I don't want to take any chances. If you're here and you don't know Christ, whether you have never said Jesus be Lord and Savior of my life, or whether you feel like you've walked away from God and you've separated yourself from God, the good news is, is he will never leave you. Maybe that's what you feel. Travis, I need to give my life to Christ today. Or I need to return. I need to come home. I want to lead you in a prayer. As I said before, we don't have you walk the aisles. We don't have you stand. You just pray the same kind of prayer that I just prayed. It's between you, me, and God. But I need to know if people are going to pray this prayer. Otherwise, I won't do it. If you can say that, Travis, today I'm going to give my life to Christ. Today I'm going to come home. If you'll pray, I'm going to pray with you. Just to let me know that you're here. Just real quickly, slip your hand up and slip it down. Can anybody say that? See your hand over here. Put it down. Anybody else? Anybody else? Travis, this is, this is the year that I'm going to come home. One more time, just in case. Travis, I'm going to give my life to Christ today. And if you pray, I'm going to pray that prayer with you. Anybody else? All right, we're going to pray. I know we had at least one. If I didn't see your hand, God saw your hand in your heart. So repeat this prayer. Even if you didn't raise your hand, say this prayer with us. Come home today as we all pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm before you today. I give you my life. Jesus, be Lord and Savior of my life. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and wash me whole. I am yours. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died for me and rose from the dead. From this moment on, my life is committed to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, guys, let's celebrate.